This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 278 with Mark Farber. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, I'm joined by the billionaire they call Dr. Doom, Dr. Mark Faber, where we'll be discussing the global economy, global markets, precious metals, cryptocurrencies, and Bitcoin, and much, much more. Dr. Mark Faber was born in Zurich, Switzerland. He went to school in Geneva and Zurich and finished high school with the Matura. He studied economics at the University of Zurich and at the age of 24 obtained a PhD in economics, magna cum laude. Between 1970 and 1978, Dr. Faber worked for White Welt and Company Limited in New York City, Zurich, and in Hong Kong. Since 1973, he has lived in Hong Kong. From 1978 to February 1999, he was the managing director of Drexel Burnham Lambert Limited. In June 1990, he set up his own business, Mark Farber Limited, which acts as an investment advisor and fund manager. Dr. Farber publishes a very widely read monthly investment newsletter, the Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report, which highlights unusual invest which highlights unusual investment opportunities and he is the author of several books including Tomorrow's Gold Asia's Age of Discovery which was first published in 2002 and highlights the future investment opportunities around the world Tomorrow's Gold was for several weeks on Amazon's bestsellers list and has been translated into Japanese, Chinese, Korean, Thai, and German. Dr. Farber is also a regular contributor to several leading financial publications around the world. A book on Dr. Farber, Riding the Millennial Storm by Nuri Vitachi, was published in 1998. A regular speaker at various investment seminars, Dr. Farber is well known for his contrarian investment approach. He is also associated with a variety of funds and is a member of the board of directors of numerous companies. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobster or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja to 44222. I'm publishing weekly and daily videos on YouTube. You can check out all of my videos at youtube.com forward slash cashflow ninja. Please subscribe to my channel to get updates when I post these videos. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you are an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, 
at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies will not only disrupt money, but every industry on the planet. These new innovations and technologies will affect every area of our lives in the future. The cryptocurrency course teaches you everything you need to know about getting started and profiting with cryptocurrencies and includes expert training from the top crypto experts in the world. You'll learn how to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies, how to safely store your crypto, how to become a sound investor, even if you're just a beginner, and how to apply blockchain technology to your business. You can watch a free crypto masterclass and grab the crypto course at cashflowninja.com forward slash crypto course. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Dr. Farber, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be on your show. Yeah, fantastic to have you on. Uh, where do you find yourself in the world these days? Well, I still have an office in Hong Kong, but when I'm not traveling, I stay in Chiang Mai. That's the northern part of Thailand. And uh, then I can go wherever I want from there, via either Singapore, Hong Kong, or Bangkok. Right, right. Now, for my listeners uh, that are not familiar, can you just uh, give them a little bit of, uh, share a little bit about your background and your journey? Well, okay, so I was born in 1946. I'm very old yet already. And I grew up in Geneva and Zurich. And I went to school in Zurich and to university and then to the LSE in London. And I uh, completed my studies with a PhD. And in between, I was skiing for uh, the Swiss ski, the ski team. And then uh, I got a job at White Weld and Company in New York in 1970. I started to work on Wall Street. And then I worked for a year in Zurich for, Wall, uh, for White Weld. And then they sent me to Asia to develop their Asian business, which I did. And then in 78, White Weld was taken over by Merrill Lynch. And I didn't want to join Merrill Lynch, so I opened the offices for Drexel Burnham Lambert in Asia, in Hong Kong, and then in Singapore. And then in 1990, when Drexel Burnham Lambert went out of business, I started my own business, which I still have. And you're the editor of uh, the Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report, which is just a, a fascinating read. Uh, so much to discuss. I figured we'd start with the global economy. What do you currently see okay. happening in the in the global economy? Well, uh, I think it's important to understand that if the, the process of money printing. So the central banks they buy assets. They don't distribute money to each citizen equally, but they buy these assets, bonds, and in some cases also stocks. They buy them essentially in the market from insurance companies, banks, and large investors. So they buy these bonds and equities, 
And so the people that sell them these bonds and equities, <coughs> they get the money. And these institutions then have the money to do something with it. So they invest in real estate, so real estate prices go up again. They invest in equities, so stocks go up. They invest in bonds, so bonds rally and interest rates decline. They also invest in all kinds of cryptocurrencies. And you understand the process is the central banks around the world uh, created money and that lifted asset prices. And it's very beneficial for the people that they buy the assets from and that have that liquidity. But there is a little bit of a trickle-down effect on the ordinary people who say, you are wealthy and the stock market goes up by 30%, then you feel better off. And you think, oh, next year it will also go up by 30% and so forth. So you hire a gardener or you buy, you enlarge your house or you remodel your house or you buy a new car or you get a new mistress or whatever it is. But some money flows into the economy. And that process has lifted the economic activity uh, dramatically after 2009. Not so much for the ordinary people, but uh, for the wealthy people that have assets, say if you had assets in 2009 and the S&P was at 666 and now the S&P went to a high of 2,872, then you feel rich, right? So these people with assets, they are just 0.01% that really make it big. They benefited greatly. And the problem with all this is that, say, as home prices go up, they become less affordable for ordinary people. So let's say if you own a house already and the price goes up, it may be beneficial for you, but not that much because you can sell it at a higher price. But if you want to buy in the same city another house, you also pay a higher price, you understand? So it's kind of an illusion of wealth. But the young people who do not own homes, they just completed their college or university or whatever, they want to buy a house, they have to pay a very high price. So it's not such a great deal for people that do not yet have assets. And most people don't have assets, you understand? Right, right. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing. <laughs> and the wealth uh, inequality, inequality has just been uh, rampantly increasing because of this. Because as you mentioned, if you have assets and investments, yeah, now there's more equity in those assets to even leverage yes. to obtain more assets. But the people on the street, uh, how they see it is just the yeah, uh, priced out of the market and increasing costs, uh, goods and services that they have to purchase for just to stay alive. But I wrote about this already in 2005 and 2006, and since then repeatedly. When I first wrote about it, I had readers tell me, Ah, you're a socialist. I said, no, I'm not a socialist. I'm just stating the fact that wealth inequality has increased dramatically. 
I'm not uh, making a value judgment, but clearly uh, an economy that is built on a growing wealth inequality will one day collapse. Right. There's no price discovery as there would be in <laughs> I almost hate to uh, use the words free markets because there's not there's not a lot of them around these days. Well, that's the point. You're you're thinking exactly uh, from the right point of view. Uh, the market mechanism and the capitalistic system is far away from being perfect. But it would be a mistake to think that government interventions and the government intervening into the free market and into the capitalistic system with monetary and fiscal policies will improve anything. On the contrary, it's likely that they will make things much worse. <laughs> Absolutely. And being from South Africa, I can testify to that. What you're yeah. saying, if you put well, the government in charge of the desert, it'd be running out of sand pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and now you've seen what has just happened. They basically give the government the right to take land away from white people without compensation. They, they didn't say they will do it, but they have the right. So let's say I, Mark Faber, want to buy a house in South Africa or had the plan to buy one. Do you think I'm going to pay anything for a house in South Africa if in a week's time they can take it away from me? Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, three, three good and key principles right there, private property, contract law, and the non-aggression principle, they just tossed out the window. Uh, it's going to have massive, a massive impact, unfortunately, uh, for uh, just for global investors to, to that country. Yeah, yeah, sure. No doubt. Now, we've touched on the global economy, and you've mentioned these, these markets and these bubbles everywhere uh, and where it came from through the central banks. Uh, these Keynesians are running just, uh, just absolutely nuts. Um, how does this play out? When do some of these bubbles pop? We've seen in the U.S. some stock market corrections. But, Dr. Farber, to be honest, if I look at this stuff, it's so computerized <laughs> and with algorithmic trading and yes. supercomputers. I don't even yeah. I don't think we're going to have a, a massive crash anymore. <laughs> well, you know, it may not be a massive crash. What we could get is, uh, well, in 1973-74, we had a decline over two years that was, say, around 50%, and the leading shares, the so-called Nifty 50, they declined by 70 to 80%. So we could get that, but it's not a crash. It's a decline over, say, a two-year period. This could happen. What can also happen is that they print, again, money, QT, quantitative tapering that they sooner or later abandon it and introduce again QE, quantitative uh, easing is a possibility. That's what I think will happen. And then some assets will again go up, but maybe not all of them. Say, you know, if we talk about asset markets, it's interesting Vintage cars, they're down more than 15% from the peak. 
not every vintage car, but most of them. And we look at the bond market. The bond market has been weak. I think it can rebound, but I don't think we'll make new highs. The 10 years treasury note yield at the low in 2016 was at uh, 1.37%. Now we went to 2.92% where we are approximately today. I don't think we'll make new lows on yields, but maybe the yield will come down to say 2.5% or 2% or you, you understand? That can happen. But basically, I think the bonds, by and large, are no longer an attractive investment. But if the bonds are no longer an attractive investment, I think stocks are probably even a worse investment because they are on the very high side. They're very expensive. So if you're listening to this, uh, where, where does, uh, before I jump into kind of how we manage and uh, prepare for everything that's ahead, what's your take on precious metals at the moment, uh, gold and silver, and where do you see that going in uh, to 2018? Well, I don't worry so much about the price of precious metals. I think if we are objective, and if we are honest about ourselves, uh, we know very little about how the world will look like in five years' time. Maybe because you and I, we don't know what the central banks will do. If we were dealing with a free market, we could say, well, this is more likely and this is less likely. But in the case of central banks, you need to become a mind reader. Plus, the central banks, they also depend on governments. You know, the gov Trump can tell the central bank, now you better do something about the poor economy or you print some money or do something about the dollar, whatever it is. They work together. So anyway, uh, in absence of knowing all these things, the best an investor can do, it's not the very best. The very best is just to put all your money into one stock and it goes up. But it also has high risk because that particular stock may not go up, <laughs> go right. down. So you have all your money in one, it goes down. But in absence of taking that kind of a risk, I suggest that you diversify. You have some in real estate that may be your own house. If you're wealthy, you have maybe some other income-producing properties, ideally not in California where the laws are going to be very bad for uh, rental property owners, uh, but you can also then invest some of your money in stocks and some of your money in cash and bonds and some of your money in precious metals. That The precious metals, I think, is not a question to worry is the price going up or down is an issue of security. That's your insurance. We had 2001, 2002, a drop of close to 50%, and then 2007 to 2009, another drop of almost 50%. So this can happen. 
You're listening to Mark Farber on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. You're listening to Mark Farber on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. Where do uh, cryptocurrencies play in there and what's your take on, on cryptocurrencies? I get all these uh, promotional materials about cryptos and so forth. And as I told you, I live in Chiang Mai in the north of Thailand. And although it is the second largest city in Thailand, uh, if people have money here, they buy properties or a car or whatever. But hardly anyone plays the stock market. Hardly anyone owns bonds. Hardly anyone does foreign exchange trading. But in the last six months, Everybody is trading bitcoins and other cryptos. And uh, I've just seen lately a lot of people who maybe initially made some money and came to the bar where I go every day, they're no longer there. So maybe it didn't work out so well. I don't know. I, If you ask me, Mark, where will bitcoins be in five years' time? Will they be at a million, at 100,000, or at zero? I do not know. I have no idea. But one thing is clear. We have now over 1,500 different cryptocurrencies. You understand? <laughs> right. uh, I, I assure you, there will be a lot, a lot of fraud. A lot of fraud. Number two, when you really think about it, we have central banks that have printed money for the last 150 years or so. Now individuals start to print money. Now they all say, well, it's limited and so the value should go up and this and that. But if you and I and another 300 million Americans all produce their own money, you can imagine what that money will be worth. Right. So I think the technology has some potential. The technology is nothing new. It existed before. And banks have used it before. And about bitcoins, in my opinion, I would, I don't own any. If someone tells me I want to own some bitcoins, I tell him, go ahead. Maybe he's right. But I, I personally don't own any because to have a meaningful impact on my own net worth, I would have to invest quite a lot. And that I don't want to do. 
Right. No, absolutely. But uh, if someone tells me, Mark, I think Bitcoins can go to 20,000 in three weeks' time, I tell him, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. 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 Absolutely. Now, you've had quite a career and a journey in the investing field, and you've seen a lot in your lifetime, and you probably never thought you would see negative interest rates, but you've seen those too. Um, <laughs> All of my friends who started to work in the 70s or 60s or okay. even 80s, they would never have dreamt in their lives that they would see ne negative interest rates. Never, ever. That is now historically something really new. <laughs> it's not even in, a, in economics textbooks. Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it, it's something new. It's a huge experiment, which, in my opinion, is bound to fail. 100%. But you and I, we don't know how it will fail. A, will it fail tomorrow or in three years? Number two, what will precede its failure? Uh, high inflation rate, hyperinflation, or deflation? Or could be both Right. at the same time? Right. With some assets going up and some assets tumbling. Like, you know, in the last, say, three months, the bonds have performed poorly and stocks are about even. Some stocks are down and some stocks are up, but they haven't gone down as much as bonds in right. the last three months. And that kind of ties into my next question. You've seen it all and you've seen a lot of the promotion and all of the nonsense that's per perpetuated by financial media. What are some of the biggest investment lies uh, that uh, has been promoted and that they still keep promoting uh, to the general public? Well, I think it's very important to understand. Uh, statistically, it is true that over the last 100 years, Stocks have gone up about 75% of the time every year. And they've gone down about, I think, about 22 or 23% or 25, something like that. So the probability of markets going up is higher than of markets going down, partly because of the money printing. And now, there are studies that will go and tell investors Stocks are the best investment over the long term, okay? But the reality is that if you and I had started the portfolio in precisely 1800, when some of these studies begin, uh, at that time in America, the only listed companies were some banks, but the bulk were canal and some real estate companies. All the canal companies, all of them, including the Erie Canal, but the Erie Canal later, but all the canal companies in America went bankrupt, all of them. Right. Including the best Erie Canal. Yeah, and the most successful canal ever built in the world, the Suez Canal, was taken away by Nasser in 1955. 
So if we invested in 1800, by 1941, we would have lost, say, 90% of our money, more or more. And then where this remaining 5% would have gone up this much, it would also have depended in what stocks we would have invested. So all I want to say is, yes, I believe that in the long run, stocks go up, but it's not the same players. 1929, the big players and the most popular stocks were companies like RCA. Where are they? Right. 1973, at the peak, the most popular companies, they were among the Nifty 50, were Polaroid, Kodak, Sears, J.C. Penny, Xerox. Where are they? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the big winners of the last few years, Facebook, Google, Netflix, they all went public after 2004. Absolutely. Now, uh, Dr. Farber, uh, one question that I ask all of my guests is, uh, in my study, when I study very wealthy families and look into family offices and preservation of wealth and expanding yes. wealth with every generation, yes. uh, the families don't just transfer money from one, from the one generation to another. There's uh, guidelines, there's principles and values that they pass on, uh, which... Uh, helps their heirs not only become do good stewards of capital, but also expand uh, the family capital within these <laughs> offices. So I usually ask uh, all of my, my guests, if, if you cannot pass on money to future generations, but you can only pass on three principles to them uh, to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Well, don't trust the financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That, that's a good start, right? <laughs> Number two, I mean, I think, uh, quite frankly, it's wrong to have strong principles because you need to have some flexibility in life. Okay. But I believe it also depends on your investment objectives and your life. You know, Bill Gates, he started Microsoft. He had a long time all his money in Microsoft. He didn't diversify now, Microsoft diversified, but he didn't diversify. And so, so there are lots of families. They have basically their money in a one-product company. So there's no diversification there. Are cases where, which are more the exception than the rule. Out of, say, a million companies that would be started, if you have 100 or 200 that are very successful, you'll be lucky. Lucky. Number two, I would think that it's important to understand that nothing and really nothing remains the same. Right. Everything changes. You, at the beginning of your life, you're eventually 20 years old, you're physically fit and you're more aggressive. And as you grow older, you become less aggressive and so forth. So this is a consideration in your investment strategy that you have to take. And then there's also the issue, you know, a family can be very successful in a city or in a country, 
But when there is a major political change, maybe that will be all gone. And I've seen this repeatedly. The aristocracy of Eastern Europe and Russia, in the case of Russia, they lost everything in 1918. These were the rich people, they lost everything. Then the Eastern Europeans, they lost everything during the Second World War and after the Second World War, when the communists took over. And in China, I know many families, but really many, they were among the richest people in Shanghai. The Shanghainese were the richest people. They lost everything when the communists took over. Then they came to Hong Kong and they started with really nothing. Some families, they uh, were prudent and they had diversified. They had money outside the country, either in U.S. stocks or in properties, you know, in Europe, in the U.S. or in Hong Kong. And then in 1975, a friend of mine, I mean, now he became a friend, but at the time I didn't know him. He came to Hong Kong. He was from Vietnam. And uh, uh, he had a very small account. So a banker told him, why don't you go and see Mark? Because they were not interested to take that account. But anyway, he came to see me. He said, Mark, I'm now going back to Vietnam. And in two weeks, I'm coming back. And then I transferred the money. He never went back because the communists took over. And his family, his father, I was on then the father, and so was, they were the largest real estate owner in Saigon, in Ho Chi Minh. All gone, all. And so I, what I want to say is if you want to preserve capital, uh, I think it's very important to also have not just a diversification between equities, bonds, real estate, precious metals, but also have to have a geographical diversification. Absolutely. Very, very important. So this is my view. And, you know, in life, there's also something called luck. I mean, some people are a bit more lucky. And some people are less lucky, and some people are smart, or they're more frugal. And some people, when they inherit wealth from their parents, they're very good at blowing it. And very quickly, I tell you. Right. So, this all happens. Absolutely. <laughs> Dr. Farber, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, okay. Dr. Mark Farber is the editor and publisher of the Gloom, Boom and Doom Report. You can visit his website at www.gloomboomdoom.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge. My pleasure. Bye-bye.
Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja, and thank you for all of your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes, and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gosh Good Newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you now can also participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies will not only disrupt money, but every industry on the planet. These new innovations and technologies will affect every area of our lives in the future. The cryptocurrency course teaches you everything you need to know about getting started and profiting with cryptocurrencies and also includes expert training from the top crypto experts in the world. You will learn about how to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies how to safely store your crypto, how to become a sound investor, even if you're just a beginner, and how to apply blockchain technology to your business. You can watch a free crypto masterclass and grab the crypto course at cashflowninja.com forward slash crypto course. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.